Hello everyone, and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast, hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Rachel. Now, we are a true crime podcast, so this caution is always advised. If you'd like to become a supporter of ours, you can do for less than the price of a cup of tea or coffee. The link to our Patreon can be found in our show notes, along with the links to all of our social media accounts. Now, we have a couple of Patreon episodes out already, and another one coming soon. Do you want to tell us what the last one was about, Rach? Yeah, sure. It was all about a ring doorbell uh, capturing a crime in uh, the northwest of England. Um, So, so yeah, it was it was quite an interesting one to to uh, write about, really, um, and had a focus on on knife crime as well in the UK, which is um, always a topic of discussion on um, news channels and you know with with um with people when when it comes to like tackling crime i feel like the uk is associated with like knife crime just as much as america is associated with you know gun violence would you agree yeah possibly yeah but there was gonna be a focal point but yeah i guess so yeah i mean if it wasn't knives there'd be something else and like um there will always be a yeah like you say a focal point Exactly. Yeah. It's my turn to cover a Patreon case next month. Or this month actually now in December. Yeah. And I think I'm ho, gonna ho, ho. I think I'm gonna go for a well known case this time around. I know I don't normally but I think I'll go for one that everybody's heard of. Wow. And try and put my own spin on it. Interesting. So so pressure's on for me to find a lesson known case for listeners this yeah. month. Cool. And, as well as that, we are planning extra content for our Patreon, and hopefully we'll have that soon. Our first mission is to be able to buy Rachel a microphone, which will help eliminate those episodes where we have any dodgy sound. Because sometimes it's not your sound, sometimes it's my sound trying to get the, the equal. But um, anyway, but they are less frequent now. But thank you for the guy on uh, Twitter. I think your name was Pete or Paul or P. Who began with P, I believe. Um for letting me know about the sound. But... He's, he's going he's to find out his name is Dave now. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Pete or Paul. Um, and interestingly, Andrew, I don't know whether it's because I've been away on holiday, but you didn't mention to me about that feedback, so I take no, it. No, it, just... it, it was when you were on holiday. Regardless, if you want to support us or not, we can be found on all the usual social media platforms, Twitter and Insta, at SceneProdress, at S-C-E-N-E-P-O-D, or on Facebook by searching for our name. Our episodes do also get automatically uploaded to YouTube a day or two after they're released, if that's your preferred cup of tea. You love cups of tea, don't you? Yeah, I do. You you said at the start about you you can um, subscribe to our Patreon for less than it will cost for the price of a tea or a coffee, and I'm like, oh, he likes tea because he prefers it over coffee clearly and then you just said yeah if that's your cup of tea yeah yeah maybe i'm obsessed the dry day for topics of conversation listeners (laughs) yes sorry so rachel more importantly you've had a birthday since we last spoke so you're you're finally of age what does it feel like to be a proper grown-up now and did you do anything nice you're making it sound like i've celebrated a massive birthday but um, yes, I did. I um, I had a great birthday, surrounded by my family, um, and a bit of motorway driving because we uh, we went away um, for a little holiday in the UK. That was really nice. 
Thank you. And how have you been? I've been grand, just chugging along with work. Oh, no holidays and for me. Christmas tree is up. The Christmas tree is up. I'm baffling from seeing Red even left a comment this morning on our page um, asking about the Christmas tree and saying that you'll be happy. So, yes, um, the Christmas tree is up. It's all decorated thanks to my wonderful wife for decorating it. Oh, lovely. Well done, Nikki. And just to discuss to our listeners, my Christmas tree went up on Friday the 26th of November. Nice. And it's a real one, so I shall keep you updated on progress of its lifespan throughout the month of December. Please do. I'll be on tenterhooks. <laughs> so, now that you're a tiny bit closer to your sell-by date, Rachel, let me ask you this question that I know we've all been waiting for. Are you ready for some true crime? I absolutely am ready for some true crime. Bring it on. Let's do this, then. Today, I'd like to take you to the early hours of February the 10th, 2021 to the city of Worcester, in the county of Worcestershire. Now, many of you will know the name due to the famous Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) Um, I'm saying that word because me and my wife have discussions about how to pronounce it, but Worcester, it's much more than just a condiment. It's known as a cathedral city in the heart of England, home to just under 104,000 people back in February 2021, which is where we are now. And it's been around for a long time in one form or another. First settlements show it has been in existence in around 400 BC, but then the Romans were also stationed there some 600 years later, and people have been living there on and off all the time. So no new builds there then, I'm guessing. But in the very early hours of the 10th, It was dark as you'd expect, with the sun not rising until about 20 past 7 that morning. And we're talking at the very start of the day. It was cold. There was no wind at all, but the temperature was at freezing. 0 degrees Celsius, which is about 32 degrees Fahrenheit. And it was at this time that Charles Byrne left his house on Waterworks Road and turned up at Chevrolet Close in Worcester, the home of a Christina... Viennese Rowe and her young daughter. Now Charles had arrived with a shovel and he and he had that in hand as he got out of his car and went inside of Christina's house. But Christina wasn't home though. But Charles knew this when he went there. But as he saw her daughter in the house, he fled. So Straight into the questions, Rachel. Why do you think he had a shovel if he knew Christina wasn't going to be there? He's going to go and hide out, maybe, for some amount of time until she came home and could drink. But why do you think he fled when he saw her daughter? Yeah, don't know. I'm purely guessing because I've not heard about this case. So I'm just going to say, why don't you tell me? Yes, questions, questions, questions. So... Let's get some answers then, shall we, Rachel? So, well, Christina wasn't far away from her house at that exact time. But before we expand on what was happening, let me go back a little bit of time and give you some context. Now, Christina Viennese Rowe, or Christina Rowe as most knew her, Tina to her friends, was a 28-year-old woman who was born in Angeles City in the Philippines to a Filipino mother and a British father. In 2018, when she was 25, she decided she wanted a better life for her daughter, a better education for her, 
So she looked westward towards Europe and towards the UK. Now, because her father, Marcus, was British, not only did her and her siblings have fluent English as a second language, so there wasn't any blocks in her moving to the UK, she also had a British passport. Now, her father was from Worcestershire, so it was an area she knew, and she made that brave choice to move. But her family wasn't wealthy, so Christina had to work. She had dreams of being a model and did modeling part-time, having been signed up to the modern agency model management. But she was also practical. She had to, and wanted to, provide for her daughter. So she also worked in cleaning jobs and also worked in the department store of House of Frasier. Wow. Yeah, so she was busy, but her daughter was front and center of her mind. So, but on that particular date though, February of 2021, the 10th, she was on furlough due to COVID. So she did work for the House of Frasier, but she was unable to go actually into work. Now, Christina had done what a lot of younger and maybe older too, because I've never used it, people do. And she created an account in Tinder. <laughs> I like your caveat. I was there, sat there thinking, what are you going to say? Because you've got TikTok, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. But okay. <laughs> She was, Rachel, a beautiful woman. So it's no surprise that she wasn't short of suitors. And in December of 2019, she matched and started dating Charles Byrne, who I mentioned a moment ago. He quickly moved in with her and they lived together for around six months roughly before their relationship ended. Now, despite the relationship ending, they remained friends with Christina's good heart shining through and she would support him in some issues that he was having with his mental health. In fact, he would often just turn up at home and convince her, sometimes forcefully, he would convince Christina to let him in so, in so they could speak. And now she just wanted to help someone she once cared for romantically, but still cared for platonically. What a woman. Painting her out to be really kind-hearted and generous, especially with her time. She was from what I could tell, but so the last time he turned up at her house was late on the 9th of February, the day before the day in question. In fact, it was merely hours before, but this time was different. This time he intended to kill Christina. He had been in a house for a few hours when they started arguing. About what? No one knows. But Charles would attack Christina. He would beat her. He would stamp on her chest so hard that it left a nightstick mark on her upper chest. Oh my goodness. He attempted to strangle her and that left her with bruising on her neck and her mouth and she also had two chipped front teeth oh. along with lacerations on her mouth and lips. Would her daughter have been in the house at this time? Her daughter was in the house, yes. But finally, he would succeed in killing her with a knife he found in the kitchen. He stabbed her once with such power that he created a 14 centimetre wound, that's about five and a half inches, that managed to go through one of her lungs and also her heart. And this is what would cause her to her death ultimately. She bled out. Oh my goodness. So I, you're probably going to get into it, but I presume all of that happened in one attack. Yes. And he then left the house to go and get his spade, right? No, 
No. No. Uh, so, but Christina, she was five foot six, Rachel. Mm. She weighed 51 kilograms. So she had no chance of defending herself, really. She was a small, petite, very slim woman. And as you just said, she wasn't alone in the house of Russia, Rachel. So during the struggle, her screams woke her daughter up. And with her daughter finally getting the courage to go and see what was happening, she went downstairs. By the time she did this, all she saw was was her mum's bloody dead body in a suitcase that Charles had put her in. Now, upon seeing her daughter there, Charles attempted to suffocate her, as well as banging her head on the kitchen floor. Now, Christina's daughter passed out due to the attack, and as a result, Charles thought that she was dead, so he stopped his attack. He put the daughter's body in the bathtub, and he proceeded to finish with Christina and the suitcase. Once he had fastened up the suitcase, after putting extra bricks alongside her body in the suitcase, he put it in the boot of his mum's car that he'd used to drive over to Christina's, and he drove a short distance to the nearby River Severn and to Diglis Bridge, where he attempted to throw the suitcase over the railings. Now, he couldn't manage it, though. He couldn't get it up and over the railings because he'd put bricks in there as well. And But blood marks on the bridge showed that he had tried but failed. Instead, he dragged the suitcase underneath the bridge and threw it in the river. He then knew he had to get rid of the daughter's body, so he went back to his home on Waterworks Road, and he got a shovel so he could bury the body. And this takes us back to the beginning of the episode. Once he arrived back at Christina's house, he went inside, but the daughter's body was not in the bathtub where he thought he'd left it. She had woken up by now, and she was scared out of her mind with fear, and she didn't know what to do. So she got back in bed and pretended to be asleep. And this is where she was when Charles found her. Now, as he realised, then obviously she was alive, he would later say that he couldn't bring himself to kill her and he'd rather go to prison. So that's why he fled the house. Christina's body was soon found in a suitcase and her daughter found in the house. It wasn't long before Charles was arrested. So why do you think he did it, Rach? Well, you mentioned earlier he had mental health um, issues, so I'm making a wild assumption that he might have been schizophrenic and he'd had a like a psychotic break when in her company. But, wow, that is quite some beating she had to endure um, and, and, like, prolonged as well with, with all of those different kinds of injuries. So that if it was a psychotic break, must have lasted for, you know, a decent period of time. And then for him to leave in his car, like, get rid of the body with the mind thinking, right, I need to weigh down the suitcase, and then I'll return for for the daughter as well. That's all very calculated, isn't it? So. It is, yeah. Well, let's see if you're right or not. Yeah. Now, Charles pled guilty to murder and attempted murder due to diminished responsibility. Charles had suffered for several years, as you said, with mental illness. He had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. So he was exactly right. Before killing Christina, he had become de- delusional about her 
believing that she was in fact a white male paedophile that was harboring a child in her house. He believed that she was either a transgender male paedophile or that if she wasn't that, she was the same white male paedophile wearing the skin of Christina. He would admit to police that he strangled her and stabbed her when she was unconscious. In fact, his exact words were, I strangled her to death. When she was unconscious, I stabbed her in the heart with a knife. And her daughter actually gave evidence as well. She said that while he was strangling her, he was saying sorry to her, say sorry to the daughter, that is. And then she also said this, I don't think he wanted to hurt me. I just think he didn't want to go to jail. I knew he had murdered her. He knew I saw him. And that's, I know, that's, imagine that though, just knowing that. It just sounds absolutely awful. And like, yeah. what Christina must have been going through to defend herself when he, because he's probably been screaming at her, like, I know who you are, or I know what you've done. And in her last moments, for her to be not able to make any sense of what is happening with the yeah. man that she once loved, like, this is heartbreaking. Now, he would be given a life sentence with a minimum term of 16 years to be initially served in a secure hospital that he was already in after his arrest. Uh, but actually, the judge did state that should he become well, he would serve the rest of it in a prison. So a Dr. Higgins, who had been treating him after he'd been arrested, would testify that giving him a custodial sentence would give him grave anxiety. She testified that Charles 100% believed that Christina was an imposter at the time that he killed her, that he was completely and utterly delusional, and that he was extremely unwell. But, but if he's a danger to himself and to others, like, surely you treat him first then would you not reassess like on on a scale like if he's got anxiety because he's going to prison but at least he's being kept safe from hurting himself or others in future surely that 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 can be dealt with more than releasing him into public and running the risk of well let's see i see what you're saying yeah and i don't disagree with you but let's see but yeah and there's a reason why I picked this case, and it because this this is the most dis- disturbing thing about this case, so Rachel, and this is why I picked it. And now let me know what you think, and if you ask me anyway. Now this was a statement from Charles's mum. She said, "Our hearts are broken for Christina's family, although we cannot begin to know their pain." In the twenty months leading up to February 2021, we tried everything possible to get help. To get the help Charlie desperately needed. It is shameful that the first time he was seen by a psychiatrist was after his arrest. No other family should ever have to, su- ever have to suffer a tragedy like this. So obviously they knew he was unwell and, and Christina was trying to help him, but they couldn't get the help that he wanted. Um, now, I, I, I want to finish up with some things about Christina. So we end with memories of her, Rachel. But before I do, for me, this is tragic because it was a young mom. She just wanted to get the most out of her life for her and her daughter. 
She'd bravely moved to the other side of the world because I know her father was British, but he lived in the Philippines. So she bravely moved to the other side of the world to do so. And she had a life cut short for something that could have been avoidable. And why do I say it could have been avoidable? Because I'm going to tell you why. It was admitted in court that Charles was delusional and psychotic at the time of her death. We heard from his family, from his mum, that all he wanted to do was get him help. Help that if he had gotten it, she wouldn't be dead. And how do we know that she wouldn't be dead? Because so, you know, some people, they can take the medication and they can still have psychotic breaks. Because since being in a secure hospital and on, the med on medication and being treated, Charles has been described as being quiet, that he was beside himself with the knowledge of what he has done, and that he showed no signs of violence. And actually, he was described as kind and considerate. So traits, kind and considerate traits, that he could have been showing that day had he gotten the help his family were trying to get for him. Had he been given medication, he could have been being kind and considerate towards Christina rather than attacking her. Now, I know this doesn't take away from what he's done. He will serve his sentence, as it was stated in the sentencing by the judge, that should he fully recover, and it sounds like he almost has, he will serve the rest of his time in prison. And so he should, because he, he killed a woman. But it was preventable, and it could have been avoided, Rachel. That poor daughter, she'd been deprived of having her mother. And not only that, she had to see her body attacked and in a suitcase. That's the last memory of her mother. Christina's father, who is now bringing up the girl up over in the Philippines, described that she now has PTSD, that she doesn't trust men, and she can't be with them in the same... How old is she now? Uh, I couldn't find her age, but from what I could gather, she was preteen, but not a toddler. So I, I think so... about I think about seven or eight, something like that, uh, maybe nine, but young, but not too young. There's a life of trauma then. Yeah, young enough that she knows um, what happened. Uh, her father said that she just sobs and sobs and sobs. And he described them as raw sobs. So, so this is why I just think it's so, I mean, any crime and any murder is horrible. But the fact that his family had identified that he needed help. Christine had been trying to help him. And he couldn't get that help. He couldn't get seen by a psychiatrist until after... He'd done something which can't be taken back. He'd taken a life. What, what do you think of this case, Rachel? I, yeah, I'm just going to hone in on the daughter for, for a moment. And yeah, we don't know her age, but let, let's presume that she is nine, eight or nine. I, I saw some photographs of her. She looks about that age. Yeah, and I think that's only two years, three years older than my daughter. And for that little girl in that moment to be thinking, how can I save myself from danger? I know I'm going to go to bed and pretend to be asleep. The innocence of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go and hide. I'm not going to go and arm myself and defend myself. I'm going to go to bed and pretend to be asleep. Uh, is what is really 
like heartbreaking and you're right she's got the memories of her her mom um in her in her like last moments or you know after death to contend with but she's also got a lifetime of of things that her mom won't be there for to remind her of of that as well you know wedding from boyfriends um jobs careers all of that stuff children it it will be just a continuous reminder for her and then you go on to the mum who like we mentioned before was so kind-hearted literally all she wanted to do was help this man that had entered her life through a dating app and make sure that he was you know gonna be okay and she wanted to look after him and mother him as well and for him to take advantage of that like obviously he was not uh aware in that moment if if you know he was in a psychotic break he wasn't aware of what he was doing but I can't imagine that it will be um pleasant to to have to live with that for the rest of his life however that being said his family you know are obviously hurting and being punished through this as well but he is in the right place he is behind bars and unfortunately he does need to to pay for the the crime that he's committed now in future he might be able to display you know keeping on top of his medication and um you know being a model prisoner and he might be given parole potentially in the future but even then he will need to be closely monitored and making sure that he continues to take his pills and doesn't see something on the news about medication that prompts him to think oh I'm not taking my pills anymore and you know and then it spirals into another because all too often we see and hear of people that are released from prison and they are not reformed right and um so I feel like it is safe for him and for the people that he would be with family friends potential lovers in future that he is in the right place but um i did just also want to mention because there was a lot covered there um you know the uk is suffering a mental health crisis there are not enough people to help and support the level of um like services that that are needed um covid did nothing for that right this was bang in the middle of two lockdowns maybe and February 2021 might have been right between like the first scotch lockdowns and just ahead of the next but um but yeah it it aggravated the already bursting at the seams mental health services and you know they are looking I believe now if if you aren't an urgent case you're looking at years not months to get help and even if it's months, it's not days. And if you are, you know, at a risk to yourself or to others, that needs to be, there needs to be something that you can get your hands on straight away. You know, whether that's a parent calling with, you know, an urgent case um, and, and being managed in, in that moment, um, maybe like not intensely managed, but that person gets to be seen and put on a course of medication and that, you know, that really needs to be something that's looked at because, you know, if if others are suffering at this degree, God knows how many more lives are going to be lost unnecessarily. Exactly. And that's the thing I imagine, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I imagine 
Charles wasn't seen as a risk no. to himself or others until this happened. I imagine, is... I imagine to his mum, she might have thought, oh, this is awful, whatever's happening to me. But, you know, and she's obviously been in touch with the mental health services, but perhaps she's not herself thought of the, seeing the signs and thinking how serious it is. How often yeah. do you hear of that? Like, you know, especially yeah. with people that are at risk of harming themselves, they come across so plainly okay, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe there needs to be something more done in terms of signs to check on loved ones. You Education, know, yeah. Behavior. Yeah, if there's a, a shortage of being able to help people, then more education makes people more aware so that people that need help get it better yeah and and they do it so often for like how many times do you pass um a supermarket or a football pitch or services for like you know health and sports where there's like defibrillators on site now and there's clear instructions how to use before the emergency services get there because that is something that's very physical right you know somebody's heart stops or somebody's complaining of, of pain in their chest and there is there are things that those people can can do right there, but when it comes to mental health, there's not these, um, there's not that level of education and, and support and visible like things to to help those people either. No, exactly right. But shall we finish with Christina? Shall we Absolutely, s- yeah. Let's yeah. hear some lovely things. Yeah, let, let's let's celebrate her and what she was. Now, let this be what stays in our memories about this case as we sign off in five or ten minutes. Now, to start with, you could assume Christina was a model, so she was attractive. And she was, but she was also attractive where it matters, on the inside. Her neighbour would describe her as a polite, delightful and charming girl. Describing one time when she was locked out of her house, and Christina went out of her way to help her. Her friend said that she was lovely and amazing, strong and well-liked. Now, Christina had two sisters, one younger and one older. Her younger sister would go on to describe how she always looked up to Tina, as she called her, that she knew exactly what to say and what to do to make someone feel great about themselves. Now, you know that type of person, Rachel. They're special in life because there's not many of them about. So when you come across one, you tend to want to try and keep them in your life because they know how to say the right thing to just lift you up at that moment you need it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of her her friends in the Philippines, her best friend, said that she had such wisdom but never judged that she was a great listener, that they enjoyed hanging out together singing, stargazing, and dancing barefoot together. She said that she was kind and grounded. Now this, this will ring bells here, Rachel. She went on to describe that Christina took care of her when she was at her lowest in life, suffering from a mental health issue. So it sounds like probably what she was trying to do with Charles, she did with her friend previously. Uh, Her friend also went on to say that she was just the best type of energy to have around you, that she was different and bold, that no one could fully understand how good a person she was, 
as words couldn't describe unless you knew her personally. Now, George, one of her friends in the UK she made after arriving, described her as quiet and mysterious, but very special and unique, and that everything in life was very magical to Christina. That she loved learning about people and cultures, and she would appreciate the very small things in life that others would just walk past and not even notice. That she was her own force of nature. She was, he described as a human torpedo that you just got caught up in, but in a good way. Wow. Now, I thought there's some nice things just so we knew what type. I mean, I know we touched on it, but I mean, people in different parts of the world, other sides of the world, say the same things about her, which means they must be true. So, any last, thought, any last thoughts or comments, Rachel? Yeah, I think we've all got a Christina in our life, haven't we? We that do, we're lucky, yes. Yeah, that we're lucky enough to speak to and and have around in terms of like the love and the support and the nurturing. And, you know, if we put ourselves in those people's shoes and they lost that person, like, you know, what would you do to try and prevent like your Christina being a victim next time and exactly that's the tricky thing isn't it i think that more needs to be done to help both i think more needs to be done to help both parties in this instance to prevent the christinas of this world being the victims but also to you know give the right support to the people who need it for their mental health as well exactly to help to stop a victim becoming a perpetrator and creating another victim, if we can just help the initial victim, it stops that chain. But if it's safe for you to all to do so, now I'd like you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. That person in your life you know is special, that you know is unique and cannot be replaced. Let's think about them. Let's think about what they bring to your life. Now... Let's think about what you can do to show your appreciation to them. And let's all of us make it our Christmas promise to ourselves that we go out and appreciate all the people in our lives that make it so special. Yeah, pay it forward, guys, with gratitude. Exactly. So thank you, everyone. And we'll see you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, guys. Speak to you soon, guys.